Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His fever is way worse. And his little snatches of dreams have a dismantled cubist aspect he associates in memory with childhood flu. He dreams he looks in a mirror and sees nothing and keeps trying to clean the mirror with his sleeve. One dream consists only of the color blue, too vivid, like the blue of a pool. An unpleasant smell keeps coming up his throat. He's both in a bag and holding a bag. Visitors flit in and out, but never Ferocious Francis or Joel Van D. He dreams there's people in his room, but he's not one of them. He dreams he's with a very sad kid, and they're in a graveyard digging up some dead guy's head, and it's really important, like continental emergency important. And Gately's the best digger, but he's wicked hungry, like irresistibly hungry, and he's eating with both hands out of a huge economy-sized bag of corporate snacks, so he can't really dig. While it gets later and later, the sad kid is trying to scream at Gately that the important thing was buried in the guy's head and to divert the continental emergencies to start digging the guy's head up before it's too late. But the kid moves his mouth and nothing comes out. And Joel Van D appears with wings and no underwear and asks if they knew him, the dead guy with the head. And Gately starts talking about knowing him even though deep down he feels panic because he's got no idea who they're talking about. While the sad kid holds something terrible up by the hair and makes a face of somebody shouting in panic. Too late. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at sync 42 and at SyncBook. It's Tuesday, May 15th, 2018. Happy birthday, Brian. And today we're going to consider the entertainment. And no, I'm not talking about the film James Incandenza created in Infinite Jest, but the latest work from the SyncBook.com founder, Alan Avedessa Green. Alan, as you may recall, is the author of 2011's Look at All the Happy Creatures, as well as the managing editor of Sync Book Press, which has published eight titles since 2011, which include the two volumes of the Sync Book. He co-created with Bill Klaus and David Plate, Always Record, a long-form podcast that dug deep into the nature of reality and was one of the prompts toward the formation of Sync Book Radio. He was also an integral part of the audio magazine Synchronize, as well as the creative force behind Sync Quick News. Now he has another credit to his name, the Sync Book Radio Movie, entitled Vision and the Voice, a full-length feature sync film built from pieces of the past. I did not understand this project as he pitched it and began working upon it, and I wonder if the prescience of this was something he was cognizant when he started down this path. Hello, Alan. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, man. It's, it's really good to talk to you. You bet. 
So when did you begin Vision and the Voice, and what was your initial motivation for this project? Oh, um, okay, so like, when was, uh, when was the second Olympia Sync Summit? Was that 2016? Yes, I think so. Right. Yeah. So that was like August. So probably, um, like the summer or like the spring before that, I had this idea and I don't know. I just, like I saw it fairly clearly of chopping up old audio and kind of, uh, taking conversations that were originally very, very separated, you know, some by many years, some by just different episodes of the podcast, whatever, and almost uh, stringing a narrative together with them in the sense of that they would be talking to each other as if, uh, you know, Bill Klaus from episode three of Always Record was responding to you from episode 42 of 42 Minutes or something, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I had this very clear idea, and I think I at that point I'd probably finished. What was that like? Um, synchronized season two, episode eight, or something, right? Where it was like that that finale where I made like a thirty minute video, kind of using um, I would say probably like seventy percent of it was using Andros's uh, Radio Eight Ball format and turning that into a video, but at the same time trying to play with this sort of collage media collage uh, aesthetic and very much inspired by, so like the, the guest for that Radio 8 Bowl was Mark Hosler of Negative Land and sort of inspired by digging into their work of, of media collage, very much inspired by uh, Wally Sherold's Fine Just Fine of sort of taking these pieces of audio that of his interviews and sort of augmenting them with sounds and, and music and whatever. All that sort of stuff just sort of culminated. And I, oh, the other aspect would be like Joe Alexander, like talking to Joe Alexander of what was going to be sort of his follow up to uh, Back to the Future predicts 9 11. And the, the idea sort of got put on the, the back burner uh, for many, many reasons. Maybe we'll get into, maybe we won't. But uh, I think when I went to that Olympia Sync Summit, I showed you and Will and maybe a few other people um, just this like five minutes of material, some of, some of which are still actually in this video that I was sort of like, that was my pitch to you. Like, hey guys, can you imagine something like this? Um, and I remember you and Will sort of being like, uh, kind of, I kind of get what you're doing. <laughs> well, when you conceived of it, it was almost like, you were setting out to, you were like, okay, I need everyone to scour haystacks and see if they can find a needle. <laughs> there might be a needle there. I don't know. But if you do find a needle, please let me know. And then the other kind of thing was, the other thing is, we don't really know what a needle is. So we kind of have to figure out what we're going to define a needle as. <laughs> Like, you wanted us to scour and set off and find, like, magic moments or nuggets or something. And I kept thinking, well, I think that's going to be really subjective, depending on, you know, the person looking. Absolutely. So, just for the record, that was, at the point that I asked people to help me go through the material, I want to say I was, like, I don't know, a good 
40 minutes into this video. Uh, um, I, I, I did have a, about half of it or, or so done. And then th this is documented in an episode of Always Record uh, where I said, okay, I've got about 40 minutes here and the the time frame and the, the method in which I was using. So just to guys to backtrack, what I had started doing was going myself through old always records. I think maybe, um, I had like a few people like, uh, Jim Kincaid and Patrick Savek helping me at that point and just like, okay, going through and looking for moments. And I was chopping what I'd almost make a highlight reel. Let's say I take always record episode one, which was originally like three hours long and I chopped out like 20 minutes of really good stuff, you know, like, oh, this is a great soundbite or this is a great, I love this topic of conversation. And I didn't know exactly, and you know, some of that stuff made it in and some of it didn't, but it was just sort of collecting and I almost thought of it like sifting, you know, like you have like uh, if you're beach combing or something and you're like, okay, getting to a smaller amount and a smaller amount and a smaller amount, really refining what were the magic moments? And what I asked of people, I actually found this on my phone. I still have the list of the message that I sent to people looking for time codes that fit the following. One, senses, anything having to do with human sense organs. Two, perception, relationship to media and language. Focus on perception. I'm hoping to avoid mentioning analysis of any particular film or book, rather on how we take it in. However, if the media is mentioned as a reference and jumping off point for the concept, this is okay. Just not looking for the this film means X type stuff. Three, personal synchronicity stories. Quote, this crazy thing happened to me. Four, clips that mention any of the four elements, earth, wind, water, fire, the nature of time, dreaming nature of reality. And then five, fantastic little moments that deserve highlighting hoping to focus on clips that are universal enough to lose their surrounding context. So that, if that helps, um, what I was sort of looking for, which kind of answers my next question was, is there any internal structure that you were adhering to? I mean, so after viewing it, I realized, Oh, this is, this is basically the same way, uh, the early synchromystics created sync films, which was, they're just watching media, and anything that tickles them, they clip it and put it in a folder. And then later, they would take that folder and create, you know, it's like, oh, there's a narrative here. You know, this is what the synchronicity is leading me toward. And they'd create like a a 10-minute YouTube sync film kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's um, – that's definitely been ingrained in me over the years of working with synchromystics. You know, I guess if we were more like academics, that would be considered cherry-picking, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it's uh, it's sort of like, hey, it's less of I'm trying to make a point with some of this stuff as much as I'm – you said I'm looking for the things that really uh, – you said tickle me or, you know, the things that really stand out. Sometimes they, they leap off the page. As far as structure – uh, yeah. So, you know, as you saw from that list, um, those were sort of, that was like my outline of like, those were the things that I, I knew I wanted to address, but I also, I don't know if this is obvious when you're watching it, but there are almost like chapters. I treated it kind of like a book in the sense that there would be a section that, uh, like for example, there's a section that picks up 
Jake Kotze comes in and he's talking about um, you know early synchromistic exploration from uh, it was actually a clip from Jim Sanders Gnosis film. Yeah, and um, I took a clip of Jake Kotze and sort of like the uh, between that and the next Jake Kotze clip, I sort of viewed that all as like a chapter of here's where we're talking about media and how synchromistics dealt with that um we have like andros and bill talking about uh do the how do these synchronicities occur within media is this quote-unquote planned is this the nature of reality is this flow is this sync what is it like so everything in there i sort of viewed as a chapter uh there's it's interesting because i think i thought of it more as as breaths so like mm. the first like really major breath is after after the bad trip that mm. uh, mm-hmm. Nemo, oh, yeah. Nemo has and I mean it it's it's also interesting because I think Rodney Asher like remarked upon that section that he he appreciated it. There is something where the train hits the bed at the right moment to it's like how did he get it to do that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So that's um all right, so like uh just to say, I mean, there are there are other chapters, and there's definitely these breaths you're talking about. They're almost like arcs. So there's like a, this sort of oh, what do you call those? Like a Russian doll, like nested, oh, y- yeah. nested yeah. Um, arcs. So like you almost have like your that that break that you're talking about comes in at like 35 minutes. It's almost like your your classic three act story. You know, that's Act One. Um, in, in that respect, I, I did use that structure, but then I also use these chapter structures, and then I use these – the musical element is so important that I treated the audio like one long big musical composition that it definitely wanted to have breaths and moments of of ups and downs and the dynamics uh, of, of the sound and everything. So all, all those things really played into it. Now, what you're talking about, that piece, what's really interesting when I – Oh God, this would have been like a, a good year and a half ago. I don't know when I first started getting to work on this in its earliest form of just all right. So like I had I had taken like a really long time away from probably the last thing I had it was that synchronized episode eight, and then I hadn't done anything for like almost a year or so. I was in my own dealing with my own breakdown. And then I was like, all right, I want to get back into this. And almost as like a trial thing, I started playing with some s- editing together, something small. I made like a, I don't know, like an eight minute piece or something. And a, a bunch of that got used. But one of the things that gets used in that original thing, this like eight minute piece, was going from the Donnie Darko sort of scene into. Uh, what is that like? Pink Floyd's "On the Run," I think it is, uh, and I think that's from Dark Side of the Moon. And I ended up deciding, you know, I don't want to use that. I, I love the Donnie Darko sequence. I think it goes beautifully into this music, but I want it to be something different of what it goes into. And that was like just perfectly that's a synchronicity that's i i had this idea for little nemo and like uh, i thought it went well with the topic that i wanted to address of um 
Bill and and Mark LeClaire and me and David talking about uh, the bad trip experience. And I was like, oh, that would go great with this Little Nemo. Um, it's the, basically the opening of the Little Nemo movie where you show him in this dream world and then suddenly it turns into a nightmare. And I was like, oh, that would be a great video to go with that. And then I already had this music that I kind of wanted to keep. And then I weighed that video on top of that music and it was so perfect. And that moment where the train noise is in the music aligning with the train in the cartoon, I, my jaw dropped. I was like, holy shit, I didn't that, – that, you know, this was a, a, a happy coincidence or something of knowing for other reasons why I wanted to try to keep these pieces or what I wanted to do here and then to see them – Aligned so magically like that was was shocking and and just perfect. What aside? I guess what were the goals that you set out to accomplish? Did you have that in mind? So the interesting, the most curious thing to me is that you kind of began this project as the community was starting to break down, and now mm. that you're kind of done with the project, what we had, and and so I just say this. As is, you know, this is life. Things, they blossom, you know, the flower becomes, and then eventually the flower kind of wilts and, and is no more. And so at the, at the same time you're capturing the magic of this community, the, the flower is dying. And so now you have this document of, I mean, have you thought about that? Oh, I thought, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, my mind kept changing. My perspective of the thing kept changing. Like, is this me getting back into sync and getting back into like making artwork? You know, I mean, even if that was outside of sync or like, what is, what is this? Or is this like a last hurrah of like, okay, I'll make this one last thing. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that was definitely, there, there was a point where this video was going to be called like uh, Alan Green is dead. <laughs> and it was like, um, you know, basically like this would be the last thing I do credited under that name. And like, OK, this would clearly define the end of this period of my life. Uh, I don't know if I should say like there was a pretty brutally bleak point in my life. Um where I thought, like, I'll just do this and kill myself when it's done. Um, like, I'll just, I just have to get this out of me before I do that. Um, and, you know, in a lot of ways, that it just helped me process all those emotions and, and both my feelings about the years that I spent with. And, and again, I don't even know how to speak about this. Am I speaking past tense or present tense? Because that changes for me every day of what is my relationship to it? Is this something I'm looking back on or something I'm looking forward to or something that I've never lost? And I, I, I don't I don't know how to answer that because that changes so often. But <clears throat> um, I think all those things are in there where sometimes it's like, it's a, it's a reigniting. It's like, oh, shit, yeah, I remember this and how exciting this was. And there's other times where it's like an obituary for this moment of my life. And um, I think just 
all in all, again, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question per se, but I do know that it was an unintended goal maybe was like this cathartic processing of uh, all this time spent. You know, this is something – we you you still do a, a weekly show, which I am astounded and 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 applaud you for your your dedication and and just uh, I know what that takes, and I think for me sometimes, particularly like I think if if my life aspects of my life hadn't have changed, maybe I would have kept going till I just burned the fuck out. I don't know, but. Uh, doing it all the time, it's sort of like, okay, this episode's done. Now I got to get ready for the next one or whatever. You don't really get time to sit and, and think about what did I learn? What did I, whatever. Um, and for me going back to like those old always records where like I went into that with a tiny little knowledge of Kabbalah or, you know, uh, Marshall McLuhan or any of those things, you know, just like Bill brought, Bill brought that to the table and David brought that to the table and like having these conversations were like, wow, I've never thought about this or I learned something from this friend of mine and going back to those early moments being like, some of it's ridiculous, <laughs> sure, but a lot of it was like, wow, this was great. This was like going to fucking school or or group therapy, or I don't know what it was, you know, but it was fantastic. And there would be days where I'm like, oh, I missed that. I wish I could do that again. And then you sort of get to the point where that wears out its welcome. Even, even for me, like going back to the archives and reaching a point of like, all right, I think I get it. I think we covered most of the bases here. I don't know what else there is to say about it. And I don't know if I need to keep listening to these, you know, like, and that sort of echoes the experience I had doing the show. And so it's, it's like all this sort of – it's like a reflection upon reflection of reflection of what I experienced both originally, what I experienced revisiting it. Um, I wanted to create something that was like a true representation, but that – the only way to do that I felt was to make it not like – abstract for the sense of being weird but like dream like um this was such a strange and surreal po period of my life i felt like that would better represent it um that you didn't know what was coming week to week you know you could try and plan your next show you could try and this but you didn't know what you were going to learn or what news event or what movie came out or what whatever like weird things that pop up in the sink Rosphere or whatever you want to call it that that suddenly like changes the game and that would happen fairly regularly and yeah that was I just wanted to try and cram that all in there well you know how the stars have to align for I think it's relay to, so Cthulhu is like underwater asleep for most of the time until the stars are just right and then everything clicks into place I mean, it definitely felt like a clicking into place. So not only did a bunch of like-minded individuals find each other, but things in their life were in sync enough that we could create like the structures for, you know, just it's the basic, you know, Will and I had the same kind of days off. And so 
Tuesday morning made sense for five years. You know, it's like, this totally makes sense. And, you know, I think the same thing can be said for Always Record. I'm wondering about your relationship with synchronicity now and whether or not, I mean, I, I go through all kinds of different feelings and things regarding my own relationship to it. And I'm not as zealous, but it's still a force in my life. I wonder about your relationship to it. Yeah. Um, well, I think, um, you know, I think I hit a point where I sort of, I acted rather impulsively, you, you know, treated synchronicity like this sort of, I don't know, uh, compass of like, oh, this is what I do now. The signs are pointing towards this. And I sort of acted impulsively of like, this, this means that this is what I need to do. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, shit, was I just, did, did I read into that? Did I what? Or or did I just not understand? Maybe it was the right thing to do, and I just didn't understand the implications or how that would destroy other aspects of my life. I, 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 I think I sort of became disillusioned at that point a little bit of like, kind of a fuck you to sink of like, you... You, you know, you, you you showed me these signs that you didn't warn me they were gonna fuck everything up, you know, um, and then, and then just the like burnout of, I don't know, you know, Facebook fucking arguments and the whole like, well, that, red that's ice, like personality. You know, like, well, so like yeah. that's the thing that blows my mind is like we could so there's this weird wind of fascism, right? And, right. And it's oh, out yeah. there. We. We knew that was coming so much earlier than when it arrived. It's like we're like, what the what the hell are you guys talking about? What is this tribalism shit? What is going on with you? And then, oh, all right, here it is, totally manifesting. Yeah. So all those things sort of serve to like burn me out and and turn turn me off to that. Like I just couldn't bring myself every day to engage with arguments of like stupid shit of is the earth flat or is the fucking white people being genocided or like all that shit i couldn't i couldn't cope with that wall i mean i probably that was a a frustrating it was so frustrating to get our our thing sort of you know in a sense co-opted in a sense um just like diverted and perverted and all this sort of stuff and then at the same time, these are such real things. Like, of course I want to you – know, so, okay, like here's the thing. For this video, I, I had set out at the beginning. I made one of my original ideas, and I had so many ideas that ended up getting thrown out. But one of them was I didn't want to address anything political in this video. I had that – that was a sort of early quote-unquote goal of like can I do something that doesn't address anything political? I wanted to make it – again, you know, keep it in the dream or whatever. And then I'm like, no, because this – at some point, it 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 reared its head and within the video because how do you avoid it? How do you not address the elephant in the room? How do you not say, "Hey, man, our dream is turning into a nightmare when this is our our political landscape and our uh, even our corner of the internet, our weird, you know, little uh, 
what horse we used to call the uh, alternate perceptions community. How do you go from that into like an alt-right, you know, like where is that, where did that transition happen? Where did all these things happen? How did the, this nightmare scenario uh, emerge? How do I not talk about that? And how do I not feel a certain way about that? Um, you know, we, I, I remember with always record, I guess I, I was the type of person, I, I guess I've always been somewhat of a political person. I didn't, I didn't avoid that with an always record, but I do feel like when I think book radio or whatever, like the, the sort of, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to speak of it so collectively. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I feel like we hit this point where, you know, the little fights with the the red ice crew and these these different things of like, hey, we have to make a stand, and now suddenly we're defending ourselves, or this becomes a consistent topic of conversation. Uh, it's funny because I criticized red ice for being like, hey, we talked about a whole spectrum of shit, and then one day all their shit was about white genocide and all this stuff, and then suddenly I felt like, as much as I was criticizing them for doing that, we almost in response to that became fairly singularly focused of like addressing this issue. And then it, it, it in a sense has the same effect of we still become myopic. I, I would rather be on our team than that crazy Nazi shit, but <laughs> you know, but it's still myopic in the sense of like, it's forcing us to focus on this thing. It's, it's still cornering our intellect into being in this issue and I wanted to to bring the spectrum back that said the spectrum should not exclude fighting Nazis and and addressing the nightmare um so trying to find that balance and and all that uh it's interesting so I mean I think what ends up happening is that to lead a meaningful life we need something solid to stand on, or even at a more basic fundamental level, we just need to believe in something. And so initially, when like synchronicity is this, I mean, eventually we got there where, you know, how do you build a religion based on gravity? It's like, this is a force. <laughs> this is not like a god necessarily. We, we arrived at this place where, you know, what we realized is that this is a big force that we don't understand that's really interesting, but not necessarily something that we, we worship. Like we, we, we grew beyond that notion. And so it's almost like, then what do you believe in? What gives your life meaning? And, and now like I struggle with that because, you know, what do I believe in? I think the the question for me ends up being, well, I, I think I believe in, literature or just basic human storytelling there's something fundamentally truthful about that which i can hang my hat on and so i you know that's how 42 minutes goes on because there's always there's always a new look at an old tale and so that's that's interesting to me um but you know at, at the same time you know why why did people be, you know end up where they ended up and it's like there's a nice part in your film where Snore talks about Humpty Dumpty and it seems like, you know, that's where we're at, where unless you pick up these shells and refashion the tale so that you have meaning in your life, you know, it's this Nietzschean, there's, it's a soup, you know, how do you, what do you do in that soup? If, if you feel so empty, you, you know, 
it's it's the idea of having a healthy ego and then being able to know that like Dustin Hoffman says, you know, you know, we're all part of the same blanket. Right. And, and, but you know, Hoffman also said you have to see the blanket truth all the time. And that's, um, that's true, true in one sense, but, uh, okay. So like, here's the thing. I think for me, everything in this, I said, as I said, there's, there's a, a bunch of nested structures in the video, but there's, um, there's a lot of like coming back or, or, or speaking to previous things. There's this sort of like circles within circles. And, uh, like one of those things is like really balancing, Hey, I have to learn to see this all the time because it's so enlightening or whatever. And then you have like that clip from John Kidd, which breaks my fucking heart where it's like, and I, I sympathize with where it's like, I can get fucking lost in this. You know, you, you end up like, those those people's on it's a really nice spot in the film i've got to say because even though we don't have any context for that for that movie when jennifer conley's racing you know i think it's two films too where i think the the one is a beautiful mind and the other one is like water or some goofiness but like she's running through the rain because she knows there's something wrong with her child that's in this bathtub that's filling up mm-hmm. you know so like john is speaking about you know, being lost in the maze of synchronicity and how it's almost like becoming a, a junkie on some level. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've felt that, you know, I've like, I've lost touch with my friends and family and, you know, romantic relationships and all this stuff because I've got too lost in it. Um, and so, so it's uh this is another thing is like constantly a lot of times i would use this this right so this thing's called vision and voice so uh, sound and vision all these things are sort of played into it of like hey this is one message this is another or how does this alter it and a lot of times i would use something to complement it like in that clip where it's saying hey i'm getting lost and and lose forgetting about my family or or like forgetting the importance of prioritizing my family and that clip from beautiful mind is very much a supporting video clip. And then I'd also do a lot of things where it's like the video is showing one perspective and the audio is showing another. So it's almost like an argument or a debate happening where the two different forms of media or the two different senses are sort of at disagreement. And so this idea of like, do you need to see the blanket truth all the time? Or, hey man, don't forget to like, watch your baby in the bathtub, <laughs> you know, like, uh, these sorts of things. Um, I would con constantly sort of trying to show the other side of the coin or, or trying to almost, uh, again, the spectrum of like, let the debate sort of play out, but a little more subtly or something. I don't know. There's something, there's a cognitive dissonance in the film at times. And I, so I guess, so I think I've seen it maybe three or four times, but each time I watch it, I, I see something new. You know, mm -hmm. I, it's almost like a new experience for me because I think it's really dense. And so it's, I have a feeling it's, <laughs> here is the fascinating synchronicity to me. So the book club did this, this book, Infinite Jest. And the whole point of that 
well, a big feature of that book is that there's this film in the book that's so compelling that you can't stop watching it and it kills you. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you put your film out. But your film and both these, you know, what people do is they put the film on uh, on a loop. So they end up just watching this looped thing forever and ever and ever. But I think what your film does is comment on the the nature of reality, how it's so compelling and looping. Like your film isn't – I mean it does end up being the infinite jest, but the infinite jest isn't the film. It's life, and we're merely saying, you know, look how ridiculous and compelling this, this thing is. And then we just keep spinning in circles and circles. Yeah, you know, uh, Queer used to talk about the, like the Vallis loop, and he'd say like, right, like, oh, this is where the se- the the seam of the loop comes back around, or this is where you have to like flip the record, or these sort of metaphors. I sort of wanted so the film obviously is, if, if it's not obvious, I guess I'm spoiler alert. It's a loop, like it's it's uh, designed to be an endless cycle. But then I wanted to build into that. Like, here's the thing. I originally wasn't going to have, like, end credits or, like, I, I didn't want to have, like, certain things. And then I was like, no, I need to give – I almost give you, like, an escape clause of, like, here's your traditional narrative in the sense of, like, a beginning, middle, and end. I sort of give you that structure or these touchstones of, like, opening credits and closing credits as these sort of, like – Hey, here's your traditional structure so you can watch it and you can get out and you don't have to be trapped in it. And and as well as messages saying, hey, don't get lost in things. And at the same time, creating a thing that you can get lost in or you can explore. So like you you used to do um, like you, oh, you obviously wrote the book Winter's Labyrinth and you used to be sort of like very into this idea of the labyrinth that you walk in and you go to the center and you do your touchstone and then you walk back out. And it's this meditative process that you can go in, but it's not a maze. It's not something to get lost in per se. It's something that you can find yourself in and then leave again. And I was sort of playing with those different ideas of wanting to leave – a shit ton of like Easter eggs and hidden things that if people wanted to dissect this and find the breadcrumbs I left for them, then I would give them that, that fun, you know, when, the, when that's a fun exercise of like, Oh shit, I didn't notice this. But at the same time, something you could get lost in or something you could, uh, really spend some time in. And at the same time, giving these little escape hatches, giving these little breaths or these moments of being like, Hey, here's a chance to get out. Here's whatever. And, um, yeah, it was sort of important to me to, I didn't want to create a trap. I wanted to create, um, an adventure or, or so- something. I, I don't know. Um, so the, the most fascinating thing to me that I realized upon this last viewing was how perfect your, your seam is. And I wonder if you like, when you found the Laquare, that moment, if you knew immediately, like that was because he goes from speaking about the idea of resolutions and how it's almost impossible to have a resolution to speaking about beginnings and then talking about the beginning of a book and, and like going back to the beginning, like at what point in the process did you find that chunk 
And then did you know immediately that like this is this is this, I did. Yeah. I I was originally it was originally going to start with the um that that Eric McLuhan quote talking about um changing it's 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 still pretty early on where he says like why would you take something that was made for the ear and translate it into something that was made for the eye because it's essentially what i was doing i'm taking these radio podcasts and turning them into a video and i was like oh this is you know this is really exciting to me to like address right off the bat why would you do this like let's explore that what are the different senses and what is perception and all this sort of stuff so that was gonna be my start and then I, I stumbled upon this Leclerc thing. And, and to be fair, that's it's not seamless in the sense that that's required editing to get that structure. I sort of like, um, again, ma- made him speak in that what is now a sort of more linear or, or, or the, the fashion that I needed it to be linear. But – uh, there was enough of it that it was a similar topic that I was like – it was basically a paragraph of Leclerc text. And at this point, I, I actually had a transcript, and um, I just knew. I knew right away, and uh, so I always knew how it would quote-unquote end, and I – it yeah, I, to answer your question, it was fucking instantaneous. And the other side of that is he says – you see, there's like all these things where like the the last few minutes of the film, he says breakdown again. Um, and then I had I used a few other clips mentioning breakdown. I did things to like make it come back around. And it's like life and death sort of are, uh, there's death at the sort of end and birth at the beginning. And there's but really playing with making chopping up that Leclerc paragraph so that it would be seamless and it would somehow both be a beginning and an end but also be a direct linear narrative and that was once i saw how i could do that i just knew for sure um yeah that was that was definitely something that just jumped off at me of like oh this is it well i'll I'll say i mean it took a while for me to get it but I think it's fabulous. What kind of, you know, what kind of impressions are you getting from people? I'm, I'm getting really nice feedback. Um, people seem to like it. I don't, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Like I've really only seen stuff like on Facebook. Um, I haven't, I haven't made a real concerted effort to like try and get it out there. But I, nonetheless, it's it's. You know, within our community, people have responded very positively, and I, I greatly appreciate that. I don't know how this would play outside of that um, to people who aren't in this. Uh, so, so Chloe, um, the woman that I'm with, is uh, she was not a sink, sink head, you know, she was not whatever. And she tells me, hey, this is something that works as an introduction. Like, hey, I kind of get more what you do or what you did after watching this. So it might take 20 minutes into it where shit starts to click. And I also do things like some of the like more introductory sync stuff comes at like the 45 minute point. You know, it's like, <laughs> again, I'm giving like multiple beginnings and endings and all this sort of stuff. But um She's told me that 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 actually gave her better insight. 
I've had a few friends like here where I live now that are just like people that I've met around town that I've become good friends with that I've showed it to and gotten good, really good feedback from them of like, no, it's not something that's inaccessible. And again, I don't, I don't mean this to sound like uh, down on my side. It's like, I don't know at what point people are just being nice, <laughs> you know, and being like, yeah, man, good job. Or, or, or does it actually work? I think time will tell. And uh, if, if I make an effort to, which I haven't decided yet, like um, Dennis Cook, you know, emailed me and he was like, hey, man, like um, I watched your video. He's not even on Facebook. So he was like, man, I, I watched this. I don't know how he saw it or whatever. But he's like, watch this. This is great. By the way, here's my next, like here's some stuff I'm doing in this next art gallery. And the part of me was tempted to be like, hey, so here's like a thing. This was sort of designed to, to be, at some point I realized the loop nature of it made it like an installation piece, right? So there's something you could show in a gallery that if you walked into a room or, or walked up to a thing, it could just play on loop and you could watch five minutes of it and get what you get out of it and then walk back out or whatever. I go to a lot of things like that and I'm like, oh, this would actually be a perfectly – and this uh, – before I even finished it, like I had this idea of like, oh, like, this could be designed in such a way. And then I had this thought of like, do I reach out to him and be like, how does one do such a thing? Or like, you know, Rodney Ash is like, this is great. And I was like, do I reach out to him? Like, what do I do with that? I don't know what I do with it. And I don't know that it matters. I think that's also like at the, so there's a, um, I end up cutting like eight or nine minutes out of the end of this. And part of that addressed a little bit more the, the la one of the last quotes of the film, day where David played is talking about uh, how play turns into the game. And to be honest, you know, that that spoke to my experience with SyncBook of like once we had a paid membership and once we like are doing these events and it's like where it becomes something that's like a, a job or a business or a this and it's sort of changes your perspective of the thing it sort of changes the way you approach it and i was like am i sort is pursuing that sort of repeating that process of turning it back into a game of like trying to achieve something with it or should i just hey man you got to process this and you got the catharsis that's reward enough and then i'm also like yeah but i spent like two years working on this, I want to kind of want people to see it. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm always conflicted about shit like that. Do you have a, a what's next or is that not even in, in your brain at this point? Um, my what, well, so like as far as the video goes, that's, I just spoke to like, I don't, I don't know what I do with it. I just kind of, kind of step away for a little bit and, and think about that. Um, but the, I can answer like what's next is uh, Zanor wrote a book that I was had started to edit. Um, Kaylee uh, goes by K Pax on Facebook. Uh, great friend of Sync Book, great friend of mine. Really was supportive in the process of this video. Today's actually her birthday. Happy birthday, Kaylee! No way. Uh, yeah, um, and uh, she designed the cover to that uh, to Zanor's book. It's beautiful beautifully uh done cover and then jason barrera actually helped like he uh, he colored in her artwork and made it even 
more interesting by like adding his touch to it. And we've been working, we were working on sort of getting this ready for press. And then at some point I was trying to do both and couldn't handle it. And I kind of pushed that to the back burner as like, I need to finish this video. I need for my own sanity, I need to finish this video. And now that that's done, I want to get Zanor's book out there. I appreciate his patience in, in letting me finish my thing and, and being focused on that. And now I want to get his book out. So that's definitely a, what's next is I want to finish the pre-press for his book and get that out to everybody. And it's not so much, again, is that like restarting the engines on the sync book like machinery? Maybe it is. Um, but it also feels like... Um, these are just, uh, again, I almost like, these are the things I can focus on the things that I actually want to do. I wanted to make this video. I want to get Sonora's book out to everybody. I think I'm much less inclined to take on projects that I, I, I gave, I gave a lot of time to other projects that some that I was more interested than others. And at this point, I'm like, my time is so limited. I work a job that's kicking my ass and eating up the majority of my, you know, I don't have much free time at this point. What I'm going to give away, I'm only going to give to the things that I really, really care about. And, um, it's again, it's prioritizing and balancing and, um, but I definitely, Zanor's book, I'm, I'm excited to do. And, uh, I believe in that project a lot. So, well, that was 42 minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you, man. I, I this has been a long time since I've done one of these, and this is uh, there's no one I'd rather do it with. I'm, I love you, and I'm glad we got to do this. You bet. You've been listening to Alan Abadess Green on 42 Minutes, production of SyncBook Radio. For more information about Vision and the Voice, visit thesyncbook.com. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests, to check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. I should also break in here and tell you about my plans for the summer. For the past six years, I've done a weekly podcast every month except during the month of August. This year, I'm taking the entire summer off. Well, that's not entirely true either because the book club will definitely meet this summer for its summer edition. But after six years, I need to spend the summer landscaping and cleaning my big, dumb American garage and maybe even try and get some writing done. I do have a great list of shows for the fall, though, and so no worries. This beast has too much momentum. So, if you like this podcast, check out others. As currently all the SyncBook Radio archives are free. We also feature a great search engine by our wonderful webmaster, Guillaume, to help you find what you need. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much. And so, yo then, man. I'll show you the life of the mind. I'll show you the life of the mind. Thank you.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.